Hello, uh, Maddie Nevitt. Yeah, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I'm. I'm looking forward to this because this sort of pangs a few heartstrings for me. Uh, mm. Great old mate of mine, Jock MacArthur, and the the tie-in is that Jock's got a runner today. He doesn't have a lot of runners, and it's called Book Launch in the first at Tarang, and it's an appropriate name because you could write a book and then launch it about <laughs> Jock MacArthur and the Menengort Cup. And a lot of threads to this story because uh, obviously we're getting Jock on because he's got a runner today, but it rekindled my love affair with this race that you mentioned called the Menengort Cup, and we'll, we won't spoil the party. We'll let Jock explain what that was all about. And then there was a little bit of crossover um, at, at a point where a horse arrived at Jock's called Fluffy, uh, or Ipsambul was its actual name, and then Dean Lester then becomes part of this story a little bit later on when there was a transition occurred with Fluffy, mm. and then it, it culminates pretty much at the Druin picnics, which were to be run on Boxing Day this year, but they've been called off because they haven't recovered from the big wet. So there's a lot of threads to this story about uh, Jock MacArthur and the Men and Gord Cup, and then it sort of concludes uh, with a nice reflection. Dean and I have reflected often on yeah. Fluffy, yeah. and uh, we have some amazing memories of the world's ugliest horse. The world's ugliest horse. Can you describe this horse to me? Well, I think Dean will be able to pick that part of the story up as well, where he spent he couldn't be clipped because he was so fluffy, and therefore, even in summer, he had a like a haphazard woolly coat, mm. and then... The reason why we took the bookies at Druin to the cleaners is because the bookies ring and the mounting yard were within earshot, eyesight of each other. Yeah. And every time we kept having a bet, the bookies kept looking at this horrible, sweaty mess of a mm -hmm. really unattractive horse. And they kept going, no, you're all idiots. This horse is no good and kept turning it out. <laughs> so anyway, Dino can take up that part of the story. And it's, it's probably the fondest memory that Dean and I have. Uh, in our lives, yep. um, of crossover between he and I, and a, a lot of the time comes back to the subject of Fluffy. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about Fluffy as uh, the next half an hour rolls on. But let's introduce the star of the show, Jock MacArthur, has this runner uh, book launch in the first at Tarang today, but we want to find out a bit more about the Menningor Cup. Uh, Jock's on the line. Hello, Jock. How are you? Not bad. That's the way, mate. That's the way. Ready to take one to the races today? Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if much good. <laughs> hey, it's got a good name though, Jock, Book Launch. and yeah, uh, It's a nice name. It's well named. And yeah. as you and I have discussed many times, you could write a book about your life and the Menengort Cup and a little chapter on Fluffy, couldn't you? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Take us back in time because I spoke to young Matt today and I said, oh, you've got no idea about this Menengort Cup, the legend in the Western Districts of this horse race called the Menengort Cup. And he said, did you ever go? And I said, no, because I become mates, became mates with Jock and his sons, Brick and John, about 10 years after the last running of the Menengort Cup. And it, it all became was like a folklore thing. So take us back to the start. Tell, tell us about Menengort, your, your property, and tell us about how this idea came up to start staging a horse race. Well, the property's a pretty big property. Plenty of space for a horse racing on it. And... Um we were having a Bucks night in Camperdown at the local pub one, uh, about 1965, I think it was. And uh, at the Bucks night, this night, most of them were from Melbourne, about 20 people and a few country blokes there. But the guys in Melbourne, they'd had a few beers that night and they said, oh, you've got a few horses out in the farm, haven't you? And I said, yes. And they said, oh, what about if we come out and have a race on tomorrow uh, on Sunday after the Bucks night? I said, okay, you can come out to the farm 
they came out to the farm, we rounded up the horses, and these guys from Melbourne, I reckon there were about 12 or 15 starters, only about four or five of them finished because they were still pretty drunk from the night before, <laughs> and they, they worked very... Well, you might have hit mute. We just lost Jock there. We'll get Howard to follow that up. I think his line just cut out. He might have hit mute, I think, so... Uh, there we go. Yeah, uh, no, no, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll rekindle <laughs> of all the times. He left us the... hanging there, yeah. yeah. I know. We'll see, that's what yeah. suspense is all about, Matty. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we'll get, uh, we'll get Jock MacArthur back on the line. And what he's about to tell us about is how it, how the, how it grew from mm. year to year and then how it got so big that it was too big to survive almost. That was the... Uh, so Meningort. Where is... is Meningort. Yeah, Meningort. So for those that aren't aware, where is that? that so is, if you're heading down to the Warrnambool May Carnival yep. and you get to Camperdown and then you get through Camperdown and then there's a road to the right that links up to the Hamilton Highway parallel. Yep. And there's an old Bluestone pub up the other end as well that we used to hang out at and and so on. And so it's sort of this huge um, Western District's sheep property... Oh, just on the outskirts of Camperdown, basically on the way to Warrnambool. That's yep. that's the best way to describe it. Yep. Uh, He's back on the line. Yep. Jock, uh, Sorry, just, Jock, we, we lost you. Okay, right. You were telling. The you said year, a few of them didn't finish. Yeah, well, well, the next year we ended up with about forty people because the bikes brought all their girlfriends, so there was forty odd people. Yeah, and a few more horses. A couple of them, a couple of the country bikes brought their own horses, and the races got sort of bigger. And then the next year, my brother got onto the idea of it. He thought this would be a good idea. We'll have it up at the big house. And we had a barbecue up at the big house. I went down to the cattle yards again with the horses down there and uh, had probably two or three races again with about 40 or 50 people, 60 people a third year. And then it got bigger and bigger. And people kept saying to me, could we come to this thing? And I said, why would we want to come to a tin pot race meet on a Sunday? When you've been at Flemington for the previous fortnight and Caulfield and Rooney Valley, I said, why would you want to bother? And they said, oh, no, we like to come down to the country and have a few beers with our mates. So that's what sort of happened. So it got bigger. But just just remind us about the property itself, Jock, because it's a huge sheep station and you had a a private landing strip. You had the big old house with Stuart, your your brother, who was a, a, a politician and... And so on. So, so when you stage, we'll get back to the story of how it grew. But wh- how did you conduct the horse? Where where were the horse races run around the property? Just around the paddocks, or no? I had gallops down there where I used to train my race horses. I'd been in England for about five or six years before, and I'd been to Newmarket and seen all their straight gallops there, and thought that's a much better idea than going round and round the circles. And so we had I had uh, paddocks for the size. Of six and seven furlong gallops with them straight in a straight line. And also I had the hill behind the homestead where I could do pace work around the hills, which I'd all gleaned. I'd worked all this out from being in Newmarket as a kid, as a youngster. Yeah, right. So it's much better than trying to train them on racetracks and galloping on tracks where the horses had already galloped and uh, put the divot marks and everything on the gallops here. I had fresh ground just by moving over about 10 yards further across. I could be on nice, fresh ground every morning yeah. sort of thing. That's how it all developed. So I had all the space on the, on the farm to be able to have these horse races and big numbers of horses too because the paddocks were so big. 
So, so Jock, the actual Meningort Cup itself, this this legend that continued to grow. What were the uh, the conditions of the race, the distance, uh, the number of starters, etc.? What 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 exactly made up the Meningort Cup? Well, it was actually was sort of ad lib, really. There's a number of horses I could round up here on the farm. So hardly, I kept on keeping the old race horses for the Meningort Cup every year. And I'd round them up on the morning of the Meningort Cup and they'd probably be bucking and kicking and the riders were getting pelted off at the cattle, at the show, up at the horse yards. And then other people started bringing their own horses. So Did... in the finish, it ended up about 40 or 50 horses on the place for the day. It got up and to the... ended up having to run three or four races. <laughs> Most of them were thoroughbred races, horses. Yep. A few hack have a couple of hack races and so forth. There's a real a big mixture of riders and horses, I would call it. Feels like the Jericho Cup a bit, doesn't it? Like the mm. so bookies started turning up, I think, Jock, and then the crowds got towards a thousand. And it sounds like it was run. I couldn't remember when it was run, but it sounds like it was run after Cup Week. But then the VRC yeah, got wind of it, and the Cup Week. Yeah, right, but. So tell us about how big it got before the, the, the VRC and the stewards got involved and it sort of started to unravel after that, didn't it? Well, it's got up to about six or 800 people coming here and probably about 30 or 40 or 50 horses. And uh, so forth. And I think I, I never ever talked to the stewards about it and they never talked to me about it. I think they're probably turning a bit of a blind eye to the whole thing. But I think a couple of the... Andrew Ramson and a couple of the community men, they used to come before they got on to the VRC committee. And uh, I think in the finish, I think someone reminded me of the fact that the VRC had been trying to cut out illegal race fifties for the previous 50 years, and why had we gotten started one up? And I said, well, you know, it was only a bit of a fun thing at the beginning and got bigger and bigger. And then the, then the, then the biggest problem came in, I think, we didn't realise about it, didn't give much thought, but insurance of riders and people getting hurt and all that sort of thing with a big number of people there, and that's why we sort of gave it up. And I think the stewards got concerned that the jockeys were never sober. They didn't like that bit of it, did they? Well, I think I think that was a sort of a myth, me putting up a bit of a myth about them being drunk. But I don't <laughs> think they were that drunk on the day. They never big barbecue, a lot of them, but a lot of those people drinking beer at the barbecue, that they wouldn't be riding. And it'd be the ones more concentrating on thinking they might try and win it. And, uh, but they uh, wouldn't have as much beer as the others. People like Calvin Burke, he rode it one year and won it. So I put him on a good horse. And we had Mick Lawrence and uh, Harry Green. And, you know, a lot of jockeys used to turn up. Stuart used to say to me, how come all those little guys are coming in the back gate? I said, well, I said, rang races yesterday, and they were asking me about it. And I said, well, why would you want to come out on a Sunday to a race meet when you've been here all day? I said, no, we've heard a lot about it. We want to come. <laughs> and I say to Stuart, what are all those tall blokes down there? None of them I know. Well, he said, they're German political mates from Canberra. <laughs> and I said, well, their gate crashes, aren't they, as much as what these jockey blokes are? And he had to admit all that. And that's how it got bigger and bigger, more and more people coming. Yeah, it sounds like a, a lot of fun. So what did you do with all these people that, ca- uh, that that actually came and attended? Did they did they bring their swags and sleep? What, what was... Well, there would have been quite the set-up. They'd all head off about five or six o'clock. Yep. I can't remember any people sleeping the swags on the farm overnight, but a lot of them would be pretty drunk. How they got home, a lot of them I don't know. 
not <laughs> sure how they drove. Maybe they had a couple of mates in the car, but it wouldn't be many people that didn't have a drink. I'm sure of that. Well, those sneaky back roads all the way to Inverley, maybe, uh, Jock. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And I got a yarn I wrote on you a few years ago, and and in the foreground is you, and in the background is this beautiful old stable. Uh, It's amazingly, it's a a historic property, Jock, isn't it? You know, it was a private training setup, and the stables date back to uh, over a century and so on, and there's a rich racing story in the family as well, a connection to Chiquita. Yeah, but Dad had the luck to provide a reduction sale of success of Amapoles, Chiquita's mother, for about 60 guineas. And uh, he bred, he never, he was not interested in race horses. He thought that too much I'd go broke if I kept involved in them, kept warning me about it. And uh, But he had the luck to buy Chiquita's mother and for nothing, basically. And he ended up breeding Chiquita. And he was very lucky there, too, because he didn't sell her. He passed through at the yielding sales. He had four hundred guineas on her. She made three seventy five, so he passed through and bought her home. And Tony Lopes may have been the other bidder, I'm not sure, but he approached him him and Frank to retain her to Lisa to race. And so that the father was then getting a third of the state money all the time for nothing. While they were, and they ended up well they ran second in the two cups and won all the Phillies classics with her and had a lot of luck with her. Oh, and then come named... back to us at the start. We bred Chiquita from her, who ran second in the cup, and the luck of the whole thing was to breed Eskimo Prince, who won a slipper. That's right. It was an amazing, uh, amazingly rich story. And then the next great horse that came your way was a horse called Fluffy. Uh, and Dean Lester's <laughs> going to—he's going to join us in a sec too. He's on the line because he's part of the Fluffy story. So. Jock, I dropped Fluffy down to your place. His real name was Ipsamble, but remind us about the Scottish girl who uh, who nicknamed him. Well, he used to have very long fur. The winter time, and I kept on saying to you, well, we'll take a bloody, we'll wear the clipper blades out trying to clip the poor bugger. Why don't we let him have, have more of a spell into the spring and all that fur will fall out, which it did. <laughs> and the Scottish girl... We had a Scottish girl who worked at the horses and galloping and so forth. She nicknamed him Fluffy, and I thought it could be a more apt name than that for a racehorse because I don't know many horses that have long fur as what he did. No, he wasn't an oil painting. I don't think if, if anyone oil painted him, I don't think it would uh, be hanging in a gallery. And then he, he went on to... Uh, he left Meningord and then he ended up down at Cranbourne, and that's where Dino's going to take up the story shortly. Jock, before we let you go... You got the, the runner today, um, book launch, um, $41. Um, should Maddie and I have something on book launch today? Oh, no, I don't think so. He should be runs midfield. Can I? Can I... He's first up for about three or four or five weeks, it is. He kept getting balancing out with the wet weather and so forth. So I reckon if he runs midfield, I'll be pleased. How did he get his name, Jock? Well, we got him from up in the Hunter Valley. Oh. Uh, and he was already the name when we got him. Oh, okay. I'm not sure how he got the name. Yep. Well, fingers crossed. Um, great to chat to you, mate. It's been a long time, and I look forward to seeing you and the, the boys and all that down there uh, in the near future. Good on you. Thanks very much for ringing, Matt. Thanks, Jock. What a champion. Uh, you know, each each region has its legends. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's deep Gippsland legends who grew up in the mountains and that, and Jock, Jock's one of the absolute legends of the Western Districts, and... 
Dino's uh, Dino's on the line. It it kind of always rekindles uh, a specific memory for us, Dean, when we when we talk to to Jock and then mention the the hallowed name Fluffy. And Christmas, Matt, too, because uh, it was Boxing Day 30 years ago that uh, we won the Drew and Cup with uh, Fluffy. So it was, and it was a very similar year to this year, actually, because the picnics had been rained out a lot, and we missed a lot of meetings. I think we were going to go to Hillsville and Yay and uh, two or three other places with him, and and we just kept getting rained out. And uh, ultimately, uh, he had a run at Woolamai, and uh, well, he'd won his maiden at Woolamai, and he went fourth at Woolamai, and then he uh, he won the. Uh, the Drew and Cup on Boxing Day, and uh, it was about a heavy 20, and I don't think the <laughs> professional riders would have ridden on it, but uh, the amateur boys were, had missed so many meetings, how that keen to go. Uh, g'day, Dino. Matty Nevitt here, mate. Hey, great, great to hear you back on the radio, uh, Dino. Wonderful to hear your voice on Saturday morning again. So, uh, Fluffy, what, what was Jock like as a trainer when you were dealing with him, uh, Dino? Well, he sort of moved. It was a change of scenery, Dean, wasn't it? From Jock to Sandra and Dean. So there, there wasn't... It was. Yeah. 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 So it was a very wet and cold winter July day at Ballarat. And we had a horse at the time for another member of the uh, the media, and Andrew Benson, Whitworth, who'd been going very mm. well. And Matt, and Matt said, can you call in and have a look at this horse? And uh, Fluffy... And uh, being cold in July and no rug, uh, he was certainly fluffy. Uh, he was incredibly fluffy. But Mum actually said, I actually quite like that horse. And uh, yeah. uh, we, uh, we took him on and um, we, uh, we trialled him up. And, on the uh, sand. Matt, on the sand. Matt came down, he yeah. trialled on the sand and he ran second to a horse called Snow Lord on the Monday. And on the Saturday, Snow Lord came out and won the CSA Stakes. So we thought, well, we're going to win a maiden. There's no drama here. But we couldn't get a run because Fluffy had had seven runs for five last. So <laughs> um, at that stage, so we had to actually then wait for the picnic season. And uh, so he trolled in mid-September and he ran, uh, he trolled two or three more times. He trolled really well. And Gareth Andrews, who was uh, making a comeback riding at the picnics and ultimately won the premiership that year, uh, he uh, trolled him and uh, he rode him. It was uh, well, now zipping classic day, but Sandown Cup day in 1992. We won the maiden at uh, my Matt, and uh, yeah, as much as 12 to one was betting, I think he went about five to two. So it was a good day. Exactly. So he did win on to win the the, the Drew and Cup, Matty. But the main go, as yeah. Dean just reminded me, was actually Woolamai. And yeah. the Dean, the reason why the bookies kept turning him out, and back in those days, the bookies ring there were 30 bookies. It was yeah. huge. Mm. The reason why was because the, the the betting ring and the and the mounting yard were always visible to each other, and every time some, one of us would have a crack, they'd look at the horse, and because he he wasn't the most impressive first timer at the picnics, was he? He really he really he really didn't impress the bookies much, did he? When they caught a glimpse of him, well, he was small, uh, he was light, and he used to sweat like he was as free a sweater as you'd ever see. So yeah, he didn't have a lot going for him when you looked at him in the yard, that's for sure, and. Uh, as you said, and, and there's a classic piece of video because the, uh, the videos at the picnics back then were shot quite down low and they've jumped from the 1,600 metres start and they're coming up the straight the first time. And in the foreground, you can see Adam Hamilton and Dennis Huxley and they're counting tickets, how many tickets they've had on the horse. You can see... That's the worst visibly, early crow I've ever seen. Yeah, they're looking at... The, they're not watching the race. Their backs are actually to the track and they're going through these tickets. And the, I think they were trying to work out how much that had on. But back in these days, well, this is a question for both of you, like with these on-course bookies and 
when they've got markets around horses that have hardly any exposed form. Like in this day and age, you've got replays left, right and centre. Even at that level, you're pretty familiar with how good they are. But there would have been far more of a... uh, There would have been a far more mysterious... there would have been more of a mystery around a lot of horses back in the day around whether or not they were any good or not. You would have got some ridiculous overs on some horses. Well, yes. his CV was fairly obvious, though, dude, wasn't it? He was, uh, yeah. I think he ran last at Colac at a picnic. Colac picnics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'd run it. And uh, he, uh, yeah, so that day, uh, it was funny because uh, he went on to win five races, uh, mm. Fluffy, uh, four at the picnics and one at the professionals. And... He beat a horse, uh, a Fran Houlihan's, who uh, won a few on the flat and might have won a few jumps. And third in the race was a horse of Doug Harrison's called Long Time No See, yep. who won at Caulfield. So uh, it was a picnic <laughs> maiden, but it ended up not a bad race. Yeah. Do you remember that Seymour, the late great Clem Dimsey, because he was yes. always called Ipsambul in the, you know, the officially race name, but we said to yeah. Clem, can you call him Fluffy in the race call? And I think he beat a horse called Cresta Cocktail, Dean. Do you recall? He did. He did. Of Steve Watkins' yeah. and uh, beat it uh, right online. Kylie, uh, Kylie Scott now um, rode uh, Cresta Cocktail. And, uh, yeah, he got up right on the line. And when he came back uh, to scale, that was when Clem said, uh, Ibsambul, what was he by? Most impressive out, out of, of assembly. Assembly. Affectionately known as Fluffy. There and uh, with, the, with that... Fluffy nodded his head, so he knew what was going on. Isn't it the thing that I love about um, the grassroots racing is they're all champions in their own little way, aren't they? And I remember one old bloke who used to go to the picnics all the time. He said, don't worry about that horse. He's He's a bloody champion. Look at what he's been doing. I think it was after he won first up at Balnarring or something, Dean. It, it's amazing. It, you don't feel inferior with your horses at that level, do you? Because it's all part of a, a smaller culture in a way, isn't it? You know. Yeah, and you can have plans. I mean, the horse, uh, we won the Durham Cup a few years earlier with a horse called Spirit Parade, and, and he started that preparation as a maiden. And I remember, you know, it's, you, you jot down, going to run in a maiden at Balnarring and then going to run at Healesville and hopefully get to the Durham Cup and the Pakenham Cup back then was the jewel in the crown of picnic racing, uh, try and get to the Pakenham Cup. And he went through a preparation. It was like a Cups campaign. I was so proud of him because he won a couple and then he ran third in the Pakenham Cup. Uh, you know, and as you said, you, you take great pride in them and uh, and every day you've got to work them and feed them just as much as the horses that are running at Group 1 level. And all a lot of the plotting, Matty, took place yeah. at the Chinese restaurant in the main drag of Cranbourne. The, uh, the Lee Palace. <laughs> the, 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 the Palace. Well, there's a question for you here, Matt, from Len. Matt, what was the Bluestone pub, the Elephant Castle? Yes. No, it was the Elephant... Uh, uh, close. It was the Elephant something. Maybe the Elephant Castle. Yeah, yeah it's... I don't. Uh, it's on the Hamilton Highway, between two little towns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's an amazing yeah. old pub. I called in there after the Jericho Cup. It's sort of half a cafe and half a pub now. So yep. that's where Jock MacArthur Dino had fallen off a hundred, a thousand horses over the years, and the only time he broke his leg was falling off a stool in the front bar of the Elephant Hotel. So D- there you go. Dino, had you heard of the? The Meringort Cup, when you were growing up, uh, had you heard of this sort of legendary race meeting? No, I hadn't. Uh, no, that was, a, that was a good story. I hadn't heard that. And, uh, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the, the, the districts all had their own little races. And, of course, there was the, the great beach race, Matty, down yeah. at, was it, 13th Beach. and The Jolly Old Mac uh, Classic. Jolly Old Mac Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Take a Group 1 winner down there. 
No, that's right. Um, and it, it sort of takes you back to an era that we weren't part of that yeah. you get a little hint of. And that's what I always loved about the Meningor Cup story was I could felt I could transplant myself to that, you know, and then I could go back 100 years and things wouldn't change that much. So you, you got a little bit of a hint of an era 100 years before you even lived, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah true enough. Elephant yeah. Bridge, Bridge is the Someone pub. Yeah, that through, yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. Inverley? Is that, no? No, it's the same. Look, they built a lot of those yeah. Bluestone pubs at the same time, but it's, it's probably an hour and a half along the road towards uh, Mortlake. Elephant oh, Bridge yeah. Hotel. Uh, Darlington. Yes, Darlington. Darlington. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. On the I Hamilton know Highway. There we go. Um, anyway, yeah. uh, it's, uh, that was a, an amazing era. And you forget about some of the people. That, <laughs> Adam Hamilton not looking at the race and counting betting tickets. Well, that's Adam Hamilton <laughs> for you. <laughs> Dennis Huxley, uh, my mum, Dean's mum, Bensie. Bensie? Yeah, Andrew Bentz. Yeah, and 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 the the video. Your dad was standing on the running rail or the outside rail, right on the line, and he gives a victory salute as he goes across the line. So that was yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. Ultimately, that's what it's about. I like yeah. The picnics are a great place to either learn your trade or enjoy your racing. It's been a shame for them, hasn't it, Dean? With COVID sort of stuffing up a couple of seasons to a large degree, and now the this weird La Nina thing that's really stalled us a fluent start to the season. So lovely to see a bit of clear air from now on, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I mean, like like Druin. I mean, Druin's been called off uh, on Boxing Day because some people illegally went and got wood from down the back straight over winter and you know, put such tyre tracks in the track that they can't race on the track. So, oh. I mean, that's, that is just bad luck. You know, like when you're sharing land with a golf course, that, that, you know, is unfortunate, but uh, it's happened. And yeah, it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's a great season when it's up and about. That's for sure. The funny one, Warren's, Warren Hutley's just sent me a lovely photo of the Elephant Bridge Hotel. Oh, okay. So the, the, the legends keep popping up from down that way. <laughs> Um, Dean, one of the funny ones that I always love about the yeah. golf, the, the picnic tracks that also share the space with the golf courses, when the the big sprinklers on the golf course occasionally flood over onto the track and they turn the inside rail into a heavy 10, but the outside rails are fast too. <laughs> oh, yeah, was the best at it yeah, and Adam yeah. Bodie was the one that, the, Adam Bodie and, uh, and Michael Kent Jr., they were the ones that worked it out, but uh, Get down that outside fence, and you you were just like on a travelator, and uh, yeah, the inside. If you're there, even race one, you were you're in awful trouble. It still exists because there's a lot of young kids coming through the picnics at the moment. You see them hug the rail at yay, yeah, and right. you go, "What are you thinking?" Ah, <laughs> <Yeah, so. laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, hey, uh, Dino, appreciate your time jumping on Big V uh, this morning and uh, reliving the great story of Fluffy, who uh, I'm sure would have been an absolute hero at the picnics back in the day. So I uh, appreciate your time on Big V. Have you got a winner at Tarang for us today? No, no, no Maddie. Yeah, uh, no, no. But I'm looking forward to uh, previewing uh, Sandown tomorrow. So we've got uh, we've got a good meeting tomorrow. So get uh, just sinking the teeth into it now, and it looks good. All the more reason to tune in at 11 o'clock tomorrow, Dan. I look forward to it. Thanks, Maddie. Good on you, Dan. Great, Dan Lester Maddie. joining us there.